one time that uh, the mother reported she may have died. So, Mr. McElhinney will share more about this topic as part of his presentation on safety this evening, including information about um, uh, naloxone, a life-saving medication that can reverse the, effect, the effects of an overdose from fentanyl and other opioids, opioids, and it will be on hand at all of our school sites. We've already begun that process to bring that to all of our school sites, including, sadly, our elementary school sites, because students as young as 10 have been impacted by this. Um, so, I look forward, thank you for your work on this, sir, and we look forward to your presentation. On a, a, a brighter note, um, I, I was happy to see the Orange County Register article on uh, advanced placement and ID scores here in PYLUSD, um, advanced placement and that's international baccalaureate and ID from last year. Our AP exam pass rate increased by 7% over last year, and we administered a record number of ID exams. their chances for success in four-year college, in two-year college, and in careers because they expose themselves to that kind of challenge. So we look, I thank all our teachers for the work they've done in that area. I, I admire our students for their ability and willingness to challenge themselves. Um, I want to thank our board for their participation last month in our special board meeting where we uh, worked on the Brown Act. I also like to thank Board Member Gunblood for following up and sitting down and getting the conference that he has announced. Our district it was a full language. Finally, I had the pleasure of having Lopez and Gloria Neal meet members of Cabot, share about themselves, and learn more about our organization. And we asked each of our new leaders to talk about what they've learned about PYL USD so far. I was really, I was struck by this part of the meeting. I just wanted to share some of the things that we heard to describe our organization. People felt supported by their colleagues um, in our organization. They used the words love, care, and kindness. They reaffirmed that we, uh, we live by our PYL USD core values. We put our, our students first. They value the relationships they've already developed and they, they, they know how important relationships are in our culture. They felt seen and valued. That's one of our big pushes for our students to make them feel seen and valued. It was nice to know our, our new leader felt the same way. They felt, so that made, it's what I keep seeing in our district and that was reaffirmed by that meeting there. And that concludes my Now brings us to communications and board report. So, Mrs. Freeman, let's go ahead and thank you. Um, first of all, it wasn't on my notes, but I'm just really glad that um, 
commission um, at the moment because that is one of the concerns that does come up now. And um, particularly tied into the fact that we have Halloween approaching and you know, we have similar chilling and other places about the similarity of some of the products that are offered to people. So I'm really glad that we're always doing the work and moving forward on that. Um, I, on September 14th, have the opportunity and Always just, it's always great getting another district thesis. Uh, I went out um, on behalf of CSPA to validate a Golden Bell candidate for that award. Um, so I got, as any of us that are asked to do any validation, to go to the site and see what's really happening versus what was submitted in the application uh, and the nomination paperwork. So I visited Anaheim Union High School District and I was able to see firsthand their Saturday Language Academy program. And um, as I said, they've been nominated for this award, which is handed out at the annual education conference in December. Um, this program was created three years ago as part of Anaheim Union's board vision and their LCAP goals to increase language acquisition for English learners, plurilingualism, and college preparedness. Number of newcomers in that, uh, as defined by the district, is English learners, learners who have been in the United States 12 months or less. Um, their number of newcomers have really grown in recent years, so they really needed to address this. Um, the academy strengthens their skills in the English language in speaking, writing, listening, and reading. And students explore poetry, short stories, learn about their community and their culture in order to strengthen their own identity. So newcomers often feel that they kind of have to leave their identity, their culture, and everything at the door as they come in to our country. But um, this academy leans uh, into the idea that you, you don't need to be that, that part of you. Uh, I was really impressed by the full commitment of the Anaheim uh, High School District. The superintendent, Dr. Matsuda, was there. Dr. Mary Bryant, um, she's the director of Plurilingual Services, and her team of trainers and teachers. And also, there were two professors from Cal State Fullerton because they do have a partnership with Cal State Fullerton um, to uh, transform the approach to language acquisition. Although the newcomer school was isolated and also included and valued, the success of this program is evident when I had the opportunity to speak to students um, because they have found it a great support. And also, I I poked into Twitter as to how it uh, helps them and what it does. One of the most important parts of this was that um, teachers that come from whatever discipline, like one of the teachers I spoke to that day was a high school science teacher, but she is now teaching in the Saturday <coughs> They can own the teachers that go into that program. Um, they only are allowed to teach two years, and then they rotate out going back to wherever the classrooms have been. Um, that allows other teachers to come in and learn more about how to use different strategies In short form, let me just touch on uh, something that I know about some publicity, but that was the Mothers Elementary Wonder event that was back on the 21st of September, and I spent a good part of the morning that day with staff and watching the helpful Honda team out there, and that helps to every student at Mothers Elementary. Um, those um, books were selected by the staff. They were on each grade level received a different book. 
it wasn't a difficult for each student, it was by grade level. But those were selected by uh, the uh, teachers of the school and at the time the teachers performed those three standards. Um, you've already touched on the new manager much, and I agree that's always a great opportunity to, um, first of all, have to get to know each other a little better. Um, and I agree with the messages that you shared that about me and your feedback. Um, really did reinforce what we hoped were going to be. Um, it's also been mentioned about the catering industry. That was a great opportunity um, to see not only the panelists, of which three of them are graduates of my district, two in engineering, one um, you might recognize the name, Michelle Granger, who has played a stellar history in women's softball. The um, keynote speaker was Kelly Emery Perez, who is the head coach of UCLA softball. And she was great in her motivation of words and also part of the uh, panel. Plus, we had 10 students moderators um, to take questions from the panel and so forth. So all in all, it's, like I've always said, it's a really positive, motivating event, and I'm so glad it continues. The parade was mentioned, yes, um, 39 bands, and to be honest, after we were given all the opportunity to be in the parade, and go back and stand there and watch the other parade, and then there was this long, 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 long gap, and I really thought it was over. So I went in, I went down to all the different booths and so forth. And I came back out, the parade was still going. <laughs> there wasn't any people on the sidewalk. And these wonderful student bands were coming down um, the, the street. Um, there were so many bands set up. It was, it was just wonderful, though. But I felt so bad for those who, because of that whole gap, probably lost so much of their own. So it was a great, great day. Um, and Another thing I got to do, because my other hat is RFP, I was over at Kennedy High School, which is part of our um, Kennedy High School District program of Tolman. And because that's where we had our recent graduation for the vocational nurse program. And uh, that's a really rigorous program. And um, you can really, when you go to those, you feel the joy in the room because there's such a sense of accomplishment because they have not only months and months and months and months and months and months, and months of work. Um, but they also have the clinical hours. And so um, I, I, the graduates were the happiest, but me and the family and friends out here who thought it was a big Kennedy Performing Arts Center, we can really fully charge that night. Um, and um, I can only say, in addition to their hard work and their dedication and devotion, we have outstanding educators uh, that deliver that program year in and year out. And lastly, I just wanted to say, that was, um, that was a really great evening right there on the campus there on the water uh, because mm -hmm. the program, the official program, is held right on the performing arts center. But um, there were fire trucks, ambulances, uh, squad cars, off-campus city vehicles, um, and um, the jazz band from our fellow presenter to kind of do a song coming nice. And again, that was a really pleasant evening. And then, Considering the, the challenges that 
Secondly, let's see, other things that I have done since that time, I uh, was able to go to the leadership, uh, what do you call leadership symposium. So this symposium was a, uh, it was a collected effort with all of like department heads and uh, uh, just a very interesting time in which we were broken up into groups and uh, tried to figure out problems and, and so forth together as a group. So it was a team building. Type of thing, which uh, was very nice. Uh, the team that I was in was uh, we actually came up second, so I was pretty stoked to be there. And, um, some pretty interesting people for sure. It was nice uh, to connect with these people. Um, other things, uh, I went to the uh, mayor's book breakfast and it was held at the Urban Linda Community Center. Um, got to hear uh, Henry DiCarlo speak. Uh, very, very neat guy. Very awesome. It was a, uh, it was a great time to be uh, um, just uh, with other people that were like-minded. Uh, that uh, you know, truly realized that uh, this was a um, just a gift for us to be, and we gave thanks uh, for that. So uh, it was uh, a good time. Was had by all. Um, also, I wanted to send out. Uh, uh, it was mentioned earlier, congrats, congrats to all the students, uh, all the staff and teachers that helped prepare uh, these students for the, um, the IB and uh, AP test. Uh, from what I understand, uh, 4,112 tests were handed out from um, freshmen all the way up to seniors. And uh, it was a really good showing. We had, uh, um, I guess there were 80. Uh, 80 seniors, which was a new high, uh, which uh, uh, Dr. Matthews was mentioning, uh, that passed the exam, the, the 
the IB exam. So that was awesome. Congratulations to those students. Um, and uh, it was truly incredible the amount of uh, subjects in which these kids were being tested on. Uh, everything, um, you know, from uh, calculus to uh, advanced uh, English literature. So um, very impressive. Um, you know, I, and I want to continue to push these types of programs uh, for these kids. So uh, even though there was 4,100, uh, you know, 4,112 uh, students that applied for it, I think we can we can do better. We can make it more. We can give these kids uh, more opportunities to uh, get these get these college credits in their pockets. So, um, also, I got the, uh, got the opportunity to sit in on a uh, Zoom meeting. Uh, this was through Cal State University, and it was uh, a center for close, to close the opportunity gap. So this was basically the, uh, the doctor that was was putting on this program, Dr. Miguel Zavala, um, was uh, talking about ethnic studies and how it fit into the, the social environment. Um, truly, I was a little disappointed. Um, disappointed in the fact that uh, there was probably 100 educators throughout the state that had, had run this. And um, it seemed like the focus was uh, a lot on political, um, had political language, a lot of that. Um, matter of fact, the, the, one of the ladies that was there, a, uh, a Betty, uh, Bettina Love, she, she was quoted saying, uh, this is to create new systems for education, political, economic, and community freedom. So I wasn't really sure about that. So I was really happy that I, I listened to the whole program. And um, it kind of kept beating the drum that there's a circular dimension. And this dimension included social justice teaching, anti-racist and intersectional <coughs> teaching, ethnic studies content, and eventually social action, which includes civil, civil engagement. So in my question, because we have breakout sessions and so forth, so let me just me, me ranting here. Um, I asked, so is the purpose of these ethnic studies, now granted, well, since Yorba Linda has done their own due diligence and put together a very, very good program. This was based off of the state program, which uh, Cal State and most of the other uh, college colleges that are uh, a part of are using. So I, I basically, my question was, does this um, look to try and get kids to become activists? And at that point, they kicked me out. So I didn't get uh, an answer to my question. But I do know that uh, that was probably a, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a sting. Uh, I did receive all of the um, the PowerPoints in which uh, Dr. Zavala was putting out there. So if there is any parents that would like to see this sort of thing, uh, I would be happy to forward that to you. Uh, I can tell you, parents, get involved. Look at what your kids are receiving. Um, 
we can't all catch it all the time. But you're the closest to your kids, and you should be able to, to see this stuff and let us know that these things are happening. Okay? Um, then from our part, our point, then we can take it to an administrator, a principal, or the teacher themselves. Because okay? we want to make sure that uh, this is all about learning. There is nothing in this particular um, webcast, this web webinar, that was about math, science, reading, which I'm pretty sure in the state we're, we're not doing too great. 60% in some of those cases, I don't know, I was never a, 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 a K through 12 teacher, but I'm pretty sure 60% does not inhibit. Okay, we can do better. Um, other than that, uh, I have been talking with uh, uh, Mr. McElendon, uh, and he's going to give you a presentation on fentanyl today. We had an overdose at uh, Gallon High School just a couple of days ago uh, with fentanyl. Uh, again, this is becoming more apparent. Um, there are trickier ways of hiding fentanyl, and for those of you that don't really know about the drug itself, um, Imagine a hundred times stronger than morphine. Okay, the way the body absorbs it, it doesn't have to be ingested. It can be inhaled through a powder. It can be absorbed through the skin. So some of these things in which uh, we're seeing are, are pretty frightening. All right, uh, there has been cases in which one dose of Narcan is usually about uh, four milligrams, two to four milligrams, depending. Uh, it's taken multiple doses of Narcan. I've even seen in hospital, they've had to be placed on a Narcan drill because they will use up that drug. That drug has a kind of a short shelf life, as you might say, in the body. So uh, it'll use it up and the drug will take over again. So uh, scary stuff. Uh, so parents, be, be very aware. Uh, also, we're going to be looking um, just right going over to one of our uh, our clinics, is that correct? Yeah, we have so, the Topaz Health Center. Exactly. So, just going to kind of take a look at that and uh, see some of the things that are uh, the programs that are offered uh, and some of the good things that uh, it provides for the community. Uh, other than that, uh, I don't have much more. That was my overview. Thank you. So that was kind of one of the things we kind of kicked around in that conversation. 
Um, but the clinic was was great. Um, it's a great resource, and it was a great visit. So I was really happy that I was able to continue and do it. Um, another thing that happened actually during my bunker night, uh, a teacher in my district called me, and she said, why are you trying to take away our pay, our retirement, our benefits? Why would we have to strike for wages? Why are you trying to ban books? And so the, I've been saying it for the last two board meetings, so I'm going to say it again. I will not try to take away pay. I will not try to take away retirement. I will not try to take away benefits. You won't have to strike for wages. And I'll just have to keep repeating this message over and over again um, until it's, I guess, heard amongst everyone because there are certain uh, groups that are uh, sending this message out. And once again, I'm just going to say, as I said last time, I support teachers, I support our staff, I support everybody in the district. I may not support some of the ideas that are coming in from the teachers union in Sacramento, but I support our teachers, I support staff. Since I've been on the board, we've had two pay raises um, for our staff. And so what's being said in the schools, what's being said to the community, what's being said is completely false. And so back sitting in, what is October? Back sitting in November, December, I'll say, I'll say, you know, so 2024, I think it's right. But, um, so please, and I thank you for these phone calls. And I thank you that people are actually asking questions because they say some of it just sounds actually um, preposterous. Um, another, in fact, this just came up. I was sitting with a parent who has kids in two districts. And they have a parent app. And I, apparently their board meeting, they get the whole district gets a text message. It says, hey, well, you know, there's a board meeting tonight if you want to attend at this time. And then they also um, show live stream process too and so they have a link to the live stream which kind of keeps parents more engaged and so I thought that could be a great idea um, and also they said that when a teacher will text will email the parents sometimes parents are busy we don't quite get the email when the parent will email um, it also sends it to us a text message so then you can view the email as a text so I'm not sure I, I haven't been seeing that with my kids um, you know as far as text that would be amazing for somebody like me because I'm a really busy person for my email sometimes. Um, and so maybe if we could try to look into something like that, that might be more helpful, especially as busy as our, our parents are. Um, and then the one more thing to you. I, um, I have a video I want to play, and there's a couple pictures. And so after um, the video, I think I can speak a little bit. He has been involved in the plays, he has been involved in the varsity, 
Um, as you see on the left, number 50, the captain for the, for the Yorba Linda High School game that night, it was um, this student. And I just want to give a huge shout out. I know we have a lot of amazing teachers and coaches, and inclusion has been a big part of them. But for something like this, this is just such an amazing example of inclusion and what our special ed department is all about, and is what we are um, seeking, you know, and trying to better ourselves for. And um, I got a phone call from his, this, this student's mom, and this one, like, really hit home. He was, this student wasn't feeling great one morning, and was kind of just deciding, should I go, what, you know, should I go to school or not? And they're kind of debating, and oh, maybe you should stay home, and he says, no. He says, Mom, he says, I'm going to go to school, and my teammates are going to take care of me. And so just knowing that this student has had this opportunity, and I will say the head coach um, of Esperanza is J.P. Presley, and he is a special education teacher. And so he understands this, and I just really thank him for giving this kid such an experience and for taking, um, for believing in and having the student believe in himself. Um, it's just been amazing. Um, a carpool partner that, you know, they're the Muslim religion. 
since we know them well and we talk to them, we know that there are certain times during Ramadan that we're going to drive a certain car to a certain time because they've been fasting all day and they need to feed their young kids. And so because we know them, because we've been invested and we learn more about them, we um, understand and we know about more about their religion, we know about their culture, we know about them. And so that's the things I'm talking about. It's not wasn't to take away groups and take away months. It was to say there are so many, there's more than 10 groups, religion, ethnic groups in these classrooms. And so are we taking the time to recognize all the students and are we taking the time in the classrooms to you know, get to know them? Or are we focusing on maybe people that have passed away or are you know public figures somewhere? I think we should focus on our, on our students. That's how you... That's how you have these relationships, and that's how you get to know each other. And when we focus on our students, when we focus on the needs and the acceptance and um, just really getting to know them as a person, even if they're a different skin color or religion than you, I feel like that's when we all come together. And so that was my intention when I made this statement last month, and then I thought, well, I'm going to clarify that tonight so um, everyone knows where I was coming from. And so... Once again, I just want to thank um, I just want to thank the uh, Esperanza, you know, head coach and the entire team and all of the teachers and the coaches and the staff who are making a difference and are doing things like this. And we might all see it, but we recognize it and we very much appreciate it. And then finally, um, another thing that I think we should also think about too is maybe um, having some term limits on our board. Um, I know our city council does three terms, and they have, you know, 12 years max. And I know that that's been uh, something that's been asked about. And so I think maybe uh, we should, in the next few months, start thinking about, you know, is it is it in the best interest of our community and our board and our school to have these term limits? And that is in my book report. Um, I uh, attended the CFBA um, um, seminar on the bell clock, and um, <coughs> we discussed a lot of different topics, but I think um, some of the interesting one was literacy coaches, focus on reading and being specialists, you know, college and career pathways, and bills that have just been signed and how they're going to impact our schools, and also um, some of the challenges that we might be seeing next year um, because already the revenue, the cash revenues are already there. Um, it was mentioned the new management solution, and I concur with what was said. I loved all the exciting um, messages from our new leaders and how excited they are to be here with us. And, um, I'd just like to thank the Human Resources Department for putting that all 
um, I attended the Women in Industry, and what my favorite thing about going to school was seeing our kids shine. And our kids shine from production to refreshments to you know asking questions to leading, and it was really um, exciting to see them in their element and to watch them work. Besides, the message was totally um, appropriate and great, and I had a few young friends in the audience, and they were like, "What's coming next year?" I'm like, "Yeah." And I think we had one friend during the last illusion. Um, I attended the uh, Yorba Linda High School versus Esperanza football game, and congratulations to Yorba Linda High School. And I wanted to bring this up. Um, I witnessed a really lovely act of sportsmanship that night. Um, one of the Esperanza players was injured, and um, after you know they were assessed on the field and then put on the park, all the players from Yorba Linda High School that were on the field went over and gave that player a fist bump. And I really think that says a lot about our coaching staff and our students. And I really love seeing um, that great example of sportsmanship. I also attended the Heritage Day Parade, and um, it was just, it's, you know, it's a thing of mine since I was a little girl. So I love it. I love hearing our bands, and I love seeing a lot of our families and parents on the parade ground and uh, all the support that they give us. And I just want to just shout out to the parents that are behind the band students that are carrying the water and helping with the uniforms and the instrument because this program wouldn't be possible without the parents. So shout out to parents. Um, I also attended the Placentia State of the City and enjoyed hearing the Elder Water Choir perform as well as the jazz band. Again, I love seeing our students shine. I was able to do three school visits. First um, was for the Mavista, and I just like <coughs> to um, say wow about that yellow slide. I really wanted to go on it, but I was trained.
turkey around the room. It was like a healthy healthy. It was great. I took him to lunch. Um, I got my life now. I went um, to Rose Drive, and uh, my first impression of Rose Drive was just really to focus on kindness. Um, I came on kindness day. All the teachers were wearing kindness days. So this is what I got the memo because I don't have one, and I could have fit in really well. But not only just for the shirts, they, they had big thank you notes written on their doors and on their walls to the custodian, thanking them for keeping their school. Um, clean and so not only do they talk about it, but they really do it, and I love that. Um, they have a kind of a culture of scholars. You know, they're not students; they're scholars, and I love what that means. Um, I'm learning more about the PIP program, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically they house all the um, kids that are in preschool that are in speech, and they see about 80 students. There and there's service there, and it's kind of in a preschool setting, but it is speech based. Um, also, big shout out to maintenance facilities because I love their new carpet, and every teacher pointed it out to me and how grateful they were. And so, thank you guys for making that happen. And um, oh, this is the part that got me the most is they've had several um, students that are recent um, immigrants from Ukraine. And I watched this one kindergarten student latch on to their teacher. They've only been in the country for three weeks. And I can't imagine you're going to become certain if you have enough to fill them in here. And I just really love the outpourings of um, love and extra attention given to the student, letting him acclimate to his surroundings. And um, I also attended um, my very last, is this a good smell, uh, Master in Governance course, and so I am an official graduate. <laughs> I'm very excited to uh, be done with it, and I'm grateful for the program that really teaches us how to um, do good governance. Um, this last class, we worked on authentic um, community engagement, effective communication planning, including crisis, and how to be effective communicator, and how to be an advocate, how to turn many voices into one. And so um, I think those are great skills for um, board members to have and, and resources to utilize. So that's the end of my report. Thank you. So I'll make mine a little bit shorter. Um, so I went to the Student Mental Wellness Conference. Um, it's in San Diego, but I did the virtual tour this time. Did a couple of days. Got some great tips um, that I that I'm able to share with some of our staff. Just little simple things that that teachers and, and uh, counselors can use when working with kids, working in the classroom to keep them engaged. Um, so I'll share that along. Um, that you mentioned the OCSBA legislative seminar, which was really great. It was nice to see a bunch of legislative items that we have been advocating for for the last couple of years through CSBA and to see some of those actually um, get signed into law and, and adapted and changed based on how we wanted to um, have that impact schools um, here in our local community. Um, went to back to school night at Roblin High School, which was great. I think um, we've had so many of those at the beginning of the school year and they kind of trickled off since our last meeting, but that one was after our meeting. Um, 
much available to Lansdale High School Elder football game um, and limited ministry. Um, one thing that uh, wasn't mentioned, um, Placentia has a, a VA um, outpatient clinic that just opened up last week. It's over off of Placentia Avenue over by Sam's Club. And it is beautiful. Um, and um, veterans can come in and get blood work done. They do minor surgery there. Um, I didn't know that we had one at all. Um, and now this one is a, a new facility that they're, um, that they just opened. Um, thank you, Richard, for um, letting me know that the crosswalk at Valadez has been, um, has been painted um, and signs are there. I'm looking forward to the next iteration of that where they're going to add the lighting and things, but it's, uh, it took a year to get there. Um, but I'm so glad that we do have a crosswalk there that's available for our students because it's a dangerous sort of area and, and that's really nice that we have that. And Crossing Guard Center. Um, I went to a couple of school visits. I went to Kramer Middle School last week and saw our new science in action. Um, watched all the experiments that they were doing in class. Uh, they were working on bath bombs when I was in there, and they had taken, they were making them. So they had all the different ingredients um, all separated out, and they were talking about each one of those and, and looking at how each one of those changes the composition of those bath bombs and then they were making them all together and then um, so that they could then put them in water and watch how they dissolve. Um, that was really fun to watch. I got to see social science, uh, avid class, ASB, um, and Spanish. I don't know if any of you know um, Mrs. Gillespie at Kramer, but I am not a Spanish speaker. I can understand some of it, but I'll walk into that class and she makes it so easy I can understand everything that she said. She really is remarkable. Um, so shout out to her. Um, I then went to Rose Drive at the beginning of this week and went into um, Mrs. Willie's class uh, and they were working on stories and it was, a, it was a game almost but they start with a certain topic um, and like a motorcycle for example they have to start riding on this motorcycle on their story and a few minutes later there's a, another button that they push and it rotates through all kinds of topics and ideas and another thing will pop up um, for example a pile of books so then they have to take that story and talk about a motorcycle and then move it into the pile of books and, and incorporate that and then a few minutes later the next one pops up and it really is developing some amazing creative writing um, one of the students wrote his um, and when he got up and read it to the class he actually um, he wrapped it and it, 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 she said you've never seen that before when you look at it you can i would never do it justice i will not even try uh, but you can actually see the cadence of it and how he went through and to add that bit of creativity on top of just writing a creative story it was really it was really fun to watch and they loved this uh, she says they ask for it all the time, but they all get excited about it and they talk about the different ways that that, that new um, idea is unfolded into that story. So it was really fun. I had a great time. Um, they also talked about the resident sub at both schools. The resident sub is, is helping in so many ways just come in and step in when things are needed. Um, when we have people out, uh, when they need a little extra group time, um, I'm really glad that we have those in there. And um, I'm, I thank you for saying um, what you did about the, um, the holidays <coughs> and, and the months that has created um, definitely some fear in the community. I got a number of phone calls 
I'm worried that that was something that we are going to be discussing. Um, and uh, even to the point where it has um, caused some uh, even further uh, angst from some of our local community college, or from our, um, from Castor College and from our community college. Um, so I, I like the clarification um, that, that you want to make sure you include everybody, that we're not talking about um, not including them. So I do appreciate the clarification. Um, and that's it. Thank you. Um, I'm going to call three at a time so you can get um, ready on deck and um, then we can go through. If you will restate your name when you come up to the podium, that would be helpful. Is that okay? Uh, so first will be sure. Jenny Bremer. Paula Powers yep. and Sarah Phillips will start. I'm sorry. Good evening. My name is Jenny Bremer. I'm a teacher at Colorado High School. I'd like to address a few things. Ms. Um, Blades will be talking about a lot of things you talked about in your report, which I appreciate. Um, among U.S. History and World History also teach our new multicultural studies class at Eldorado High School. We have 28 students enrolled. Nice big class. Um, we're, uh, my students asked if they can support our diversity and our heritage months at school. And so I said, sure, you guys can, we can do a project for that. So I wanted to share with you what they came up with for their mission statement which I think will help you understand the importance and the purpose of these Heritage Months. This is written by the students. Not me, this is by my students. Our mission at El Dorado is to create, curate a safe learning community by educating all generations about adversity and diversity. By using our differences as a gateway for unity rather than division, we can learn to not only appreciate, but accept what makes every member of our community unique. By taking a deep dive into exploring different cultures, we can create a community where every voice is heard because we educate our people to listen. With fair and equal representation, we can ensure that El Dorado becomes an environment where everyone feels safe, heard, and recognized. That is what the students see in, in these heritage months. Uh, we have actually spent two class periods working on this. They started with their mission statement and the September celebration and they worked on October this month and at the end of the second period um, I taught my U.S. history class I went over to my dad to do my attendance and I found this little green post which I think I sent to pretty much everybody at this table um, and it was unsolicited just a post-it we didn't use post-its that day I don't know if they got post-it I've written on my desk with no no words and what it said was this is the only reason I get to school I know I can make it through the day if I start in this class. Com comments, I'm sorry to finish. Oh, wow. So,
would like um, to just say um, a word of thanks to everybody. Um, my husband and I would like to take a moment to thank the PYL USD Village for their support in helping our daughter make it to senior year at Esperanza High School. I am amazed at how quickly the time has flown by, and it seems like just yesterday we dropped her off at kindergarten. Thank you to each person who took the time to make her day a little easier. We're thankful to the child care staff who watched her while we worked, and to the support staff at each school who nurtured her when she was sick or needed some TLC. We're so fortunate to have had teachers that saw her for more than her test scores. Thank you for her smiles you gave her, the moments you took to connect with her, and the lessons that you taught her. Her path has not always been an easy one, but we appreciate you for valuing our little girl enough to, give, to never give up on her. Whether you directly interacted with her or were part of the decision-making body that forged her path, thank you. I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. It's a team effort, and we're fortunate to be part of a district that's dedicated to making each child feel noticed, needed, and nurtured. It's no coincidence that an overwhelming number of district employees send their own children to our schools. They know how special this district is. Thank you for sharing my daughter's success. You're an important part of it. Good evening, one and all. My name is Sarah Phillips. I'm the librarian at Yorbalinda High School. Tonight, I want to talk about reading, and Marilyn and I, you, we seem to be on the same wavelength. Um, specifically, reading uh, for pleasure and personal growth. Um, reading generally drops off for personal uh, growth or pleasure in middle school and high school for many reasons. And I want to mention that uh, our school newspaper, The Wrangler, had a great article titled Reading for the Sake of Reading by Magdalena Aparicio that was published October 9th, which talks about the drop-off in reading and that it's not too late to find that love again. Here are the benefits to our youth for uh, making time to read for pleasure and free choice. Um, increased reading attainment and writing ability, increased text comprehension and grammar, breadth of vocabulary, positive reading attitudes, self-confidence as a reader, and pleasure in reading later in life. And there are benefits for adults too. Readers of fiction have increased creativity, empathy, and emotional intelligence. Losing yourself in a fictional character's experiences can make us more open-minded and allow us to spend uh, time in someone else's shoes. Reading boosts brain power, creating cognitive engagement, and can help when things like memory and brain function lessen as we get older. Um, reading supports self-improvement. We often tell children readers are leaders, and there's definite truth to that. The YLHS Library is all about supporting lifelong learning, and one of the best ways to do that is to pick up a book and learn something new. Thank you.
13 times original borrowed amount, which basically comes out to 282 million. The two people that were voting for that was uh, Terry Buck and Karen Freeman. I don't know why, but as uh, I heard earlier about term limits, I definitely think that that's something that needs to be taken into consideration here, considering I think people over time are not making good decisions for our community and our school district and our money. So I think that's something that that should be taken into consideration when people come to vote this year. And I also, I have, I've noticed today when I'm driving to work, I pass by that here in Orlando every day. As we're going down the street, normally there's no cars parked in front of the school because you can't park there for the buses. Today I see, uh, I, I assume, staff vehicles with election signs. I didn't know that you could do that, but it encroaches on the street. You're not supposed to park there. It makes more traffic, and I just don't know whether that's right or not. But I just think that's something that needs to be looked at. And also, I've also seen quite a few times people tampering with election signs. And I mean, I've seen in my, with my own eye, people taking, uh, uh, I saw an eagle sign be removed and a carry buck sign, but were they Why are we doing that? But, I mean, that's dirty politics, in my opinion. But just so people know. Thank you. school. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've been a topic of conversation. I don't know. I don't know who that person is. Um, I was made aware in my school, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and had lunch with them who said that in our neighborhood around the corner from my school, one of our parents, they knocked on the door, they were approached and that one of the trustees was with this person and that they began telling this woman with her grandchild, who is a student at our school, that they shouldn't have their child, that grandchild, in our schools because our schools are terrible. They're going downhill, they're not good. They didn't specifically name teachers, but I would have to say that teachers are the backbone of our schools. So I would say that if you think that our schools are going downhill, then that's really what you're saying is that the teachers are not good. And in addition to, to say that to a child who has just started, she's in transitional kindergarten. So it's her very first year in school to hear that. This is a really terrible message and does not make teachers feel that they're supported by their board members that the board members are not on their side and that they probably really don't even understand what's happening inside the classroom. Another comment was that things are being taught in, in kindergarten that you wouldn't believe, but I'm gonna tell you one thing we do teach. We teach the kids to treat others the way they would like to be treated. We teach them to only have kind things to say and that if you don't have anything nice to say, then just don't say anything. 
We teach that. So I would appreciate that same consideration from board members. teachers across the state found that most teachers surveyed are suffering from burnout. When asked to describe their jobs, teachers that were surveyed responded with things like I'm exhausted and stressed. The workload is overwhelming. As a result, the survey showed that 40% of the teachers said they may switch occupations and another 20% said they will likely leave the profession in the next three years. That's pretty horrifying when you think about it. We have wonderful teachers, probably treating them. California and the rest of the nation is facing a critical teacher shortage. The time is coming when communities will be competing with each other just to be able to fill their classrooms. To attract and retain high quality teachers, teacher salaries will have to be competitive and teacher um, working condition must be optimal. The supply and demand issue of available teachers is clearly there to see, and yet attacks continue on teachers and making teachers feel that they really aren't valued. The children in our community have one chance at their K-12 education to prepare them for the future. We have amazing teachers out there ready to take that on, ready to provide that education. But the continual attacks that we're hearing on teachers are doing nothing but threatening to increase the likelihood that teachers will leave the profession. Our kids deserve a quality education. They deserve these quality teachers and teachers deserve a supportive community. Let's stop these attacks on teachers before there are no teachers left to attack. somewhat addressed, but I'm going to read my comment anyway. Um, my name is Shani. Last month, I thanked the district for its new diversity and inclusion calendar. I didn't think it was a controversial comment because who would have a problem with a school celebrating things like Hispanic heritage, disability awareness, and Black history? But during the board reports, Leander Blade said she had concerns about celebrating these things because she was worried that some students might feel left out. I know you addressed this a little bit tonight, and thank you. But I just want to say I reached out to the district to learn more about the calendar, and I want to make sure everybody knows, because I don't think Leander mentioned this, that January is Kindness and Inclusion Month, and it will feature the Great Kindness Challenge. So I just want to once again thank the district for creating a calendar that has something for everyone, ensuring that every student feels noticed, needed, and nurtured. And I think that the individual stories that you highlighted are wonderful, and I think the calendar just enhances that. It doesn't take anything away. So, thank you. Hello, board. My name is Sarah Cavallaro, um, and I just want to talk to you really quick. And actually, I'm going to um, divert my attention to Ms. Director Dr. Gardens. I apologize. Um, and I have to say thank you very much for actually listing your parents and coming to the board with some additional information in your research. So I'm going to bring this one to you because I'm hoping that you could maybe do a little bit of research on this one for me personally. 
Um, so I have some um, nieces and nephews that go to elementary schools, and I know the gentleman talked about it earlier with regards to taking up public spots for parents to pick, kind of pick up and drop off with students. It's creating a huge safety issue, um, and what we're finding is that the spots are being taken by cars that are being left there with campaign signs and so forth, and unfortunately, it's creating a safety issue with the children. The parents are having to park further away, um, and then when you look at the parking lot for the actual school, there's nobody in there behind the seat, but in there are sign stalls. Um, so I know, for instance, my niece um, and my nephew, whoever the current elementary school that was a problem, there was a complaint to the principal, and the principal, I don't know if it got heard, but the wonderful thing I can say is the very next day, all the stalls were back in the parking lot, which is great, and so the public parks were open, but I do know that there's a couple more elementary schools where this is a problem, so it would be preferable to a parent to help make sure that there's safety for the children, that they're not cluttering up the other streets where we really need to not be. Thank you. Patricia. In 2021, I spent a great deal of time fighting the district about lowering the crazy high facility fees. I wasn't going to mention this, but because the superintendent brought it up, I'll mention that I did a FOIA request in 2021 because I was trying to figure out why the pool at Yorba Linda High School was in such abysmal shape. I learned that the district collected $225,000 in facility rental fees at Yorba Linda High School for the pool, but they actually spent $0 on maintaining the pool. The boosters, the parents, paid for everything, so there's your answer. During that time period, I really wondered what kind of people are in charge of the school district, because in 2019, the board approved of higher fees. They didn't do any research, and they even paid a consultant 100% of the contract fee when the consultant only did 50% of the work. Now I have some answers on what kind of people would make such stupid decisions. Trustee Buck, for example, is executive director of a nonprofit called His House. Public records show she seems to use it as a way to curry favor with district employees. For example, in April 2018, the principal of Mabel Payne emailed Buck about or organizing a His House fundraiser at school using school employees, school facilities. In February 2015, Alyssa Griffiths wanted to organize an event at Topaz and Wagner that would involve his house. December 2021, El Camino Real wants Buck to discuss how the school has partnered with his house. October 2019, PYL Print Shop emails about printing an eight foot by eight foot banner. No mention of payments. June 2019, his house used soccer fields at Valencia. Did his house pay the facility rental fee? There was no mention of payment. October 2018, the principal of Lakeview put together a team of 29 Lakeview staff members to serve his house. There are also lots of emails from staff wanting to donate. I don't think a board member should be able to use district facilities and staff to benefit them personally. Thank you. Mark Ferry. I've spoken here quite a few times, and if you don't remember, I've lived here for 60 years. My mother taught kindergarten and Rosebud Elementary School for 25 years. I've changed the uh, direction of my talk tonight because my mother, who's 94 years old, is just not in the hospice. 
And my last conversation with her, she wanted to make sure that I passed her feelings on to this group. Some of you aren't going to want to hear it, especially some of the teachers. So rude. But she had some very astute comments back in May of 2020. She was so disappointed that the teachers felt like they were not essential workers. Liquor stores were, a lot of other businesses, but the union had such a great influence on shutting the schools down. And for the record, Florida opened up their schools in August of 2020. So she also asked me, how did the unions get involved in curriculum? They used to be there for making sure that teachers had great benefits and great pay. And I think everybody up here supports the teachers and nobody is trying to take away any pay or any benefits. But what we do have disagreement is when it comes to curriculum. And we will continue to have those open discussions. She had no idea that her union dues all those years were going to the Democratic Party. She asked me the Republicans that are our teachers. And uh, I said, I'm not sure, but they're afraid to speak out. So let's be clear, the last board meeting, there were a lot of teachers in this back snickering where people were talking about things going on in the schools. And some of them are really going on. So please be aware, the teachers have to hold each other accountable. Critical race theory has been banned from the school. So if you see anybody doing it, you have an obligation to point it out. So, um, and then another thing is, okay, I'm sorry about the time, but just uh, Please complete your comments. Just to click me out of the class. Please complete your comments. We don't have any more time. Thank Good evening, my name is Patricia Hanzo, and I know today we're going to hear a report on safety from our assistant superintendent, Mr. McLinden. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that and how our communication and the way we treat each other, if we have mutual respect, then we would all grow together and grow this district. What we need is for the board and employees to be pro-student, pro-ethnic studies, pro-educator, pro-principles. We don't need to get a morality check on principles. We ask that decisions by the district and by this board embrace all students and teachers, give us strong curriculum, helpful tools, and useful contractors. Just give teachers and librarians the requested vetted tools and fund current programs. Avoid watering down lessons criticizing cultural observations, and stop the gag orders. School safety is dependent on good communication and mutual respect. Excluding groups of children is wrong. Do not alienate communities, the poor, religious groups, ethnic populations, and struggling children. We denounce the use of religion and politics in school board decisions. Stop using our students as pawns and sound bites. Show good manners and follow the Brown Act protocols. In the long run, this will also help us attract intern students to become new teachers. And I want us to attract counselors and psychologists. And it's sad that a lot of folks might look at the news articles coming out of this district and decide not to come to our schools and not become new teachers 
would not become you counselors because of the lack of respect to our educators, our students, and our families. What I can say is people are respected in this district because if you come to Travis Ranch and Dr. Matthews was there a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, for dog time, our kids love the counseling that we brought onto campus that you guys supplied us with. It is the safest space on that campus and those kids are thriving, which we did not have said a year ago. So thank you for that. Thank you for this whole presentation on fentanyl because you know what? My oldest just lost one of his best friends to it up in Alabama. It has been all over the news. Everyone in this room has probably seen it. So as we're sitting here talking, there are only so many people in this room, in this district, that can do so many things at once. And you know what? They do. They've said it before. I don't have to agree with every person up here, but they prioritize what they find necessary. If you all want to sit here and talk about inclusion, you have to accept that one day or another, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight in this room. It's not going to happen overnight in this country. But if we're only just going to sit here and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, it's never going to happen. I've said this before. If you guys want to fix things, find a way to work together. They're working to fix problems. It's not going to happen overnight. Everybody wants the best. People have different opinions of what the best is. But they're working for a greater good. They really are. You don't have to like everybody. You don't have to agree with everybody on politics. But we are all striving for the best future for our children, whether you are a teacher in this room, someone sitting in this room, or a parent. Everybody wants the best. We don't need to sit here and attack all night. We really don't. We need to say thank you for the good that they are doing. Because every single one of them has a part in that. Thank you and good evening. Thank you, President Biden. I would like to start tonight's presentation by thanking the board for their ongoing commitment to supporting safety and wellness-related initiatives over the past several years. Tonight, we will have an opportunity to review several key initiatives which help contribute to a safe learning environment for our students and staff. It is important to recognize the collective effort of our site leaders and each district division for their part in implementing this import, these important initiatives. We see this as the most important work we do. There are two primary objectives to this presentation. First, we will review several safety and wellness initiatives implemented over the past eight years. We will review key initiatives from each of the seven sections outlined in our comprehensive plan and will highlight the impact some of these initiatives have had on our school campuses. Second, we will focus on current year initiatives that have either, either been implemented or in the process of implementation. While tonight's presentation will highlight a few of our safety-related initiatives, it is important to note that a more comprehensive list of initiatives is currently available to our school community on our district website at pylusd.org 
forward slash safety. When we take a look at the different components of school safety, we have identified seven distinct areas which are represented on this slide. They include emergency preparedness, emergency response, staff and student education, parent education, behavioral support, mental and emotional wellness, and physical health. Each specific area will be addressed in our presentation tonight as we, we review some of our district-wide initiatives. To start, over the next few slides, we will highlight initiatives implemented from 2013 to the present. We will start with our efforts in the area of emergency preparedness. Each classroom has been outfitted with essential supplies to be used in the event of a school has an extended lockdown. These lockdown kits have been maintained over the years as expired supplies have been replenished as needed. All campuses are equipped with search and rescue equipment, which will allow search and rescue teams to better respond during an emergency event. Finally, at the recommendation of law enforcement, all campus supervisors have been provided with uniform shirts, resulting in easier identification and increased visibility on secondary campuses. All schools have also been equipped with mobile command center as well as apparent reunification equipment to be used in a school-wide emergency event. Local law enforcement has been provided digital maps in an effort to familiarize emergency responders with key locations, such as student evacuation areas, apparent reunification areas, gas shutoff valves, and building locations. Door block devices have been installed on over 2,300 doors across the district to expedite the locking of classroom doors in the event of an emergency. The device allows each door to remain in the locked position throughout the day while still allowing students to enter or exit the classroom. In an emergency, the device is disengaged, allowing the door to be locked and secured without the need to search for keys. Emergency response drills such as fire evacuation, duck and cover, and lockdowns are conducted multiple times throughout the year. We have improved our exterior lighting fixtures with LED lighting to improve visibility on campuses in the evening hours. Over 100 security cameras have been added to our middle and high schools to help improve security and protect school property. The cameras have assisted school staff in responding to several safety-related initiatives since their implementation. Finally, six-foot numbers have been painted on the roof of each school building to provide responding police officers with points of reference resulting in better communication between the officers in the police helicopter and first responders on the ground. School sites establish procedures for visitors on campus, which include the use of the School Access Management System, or SAM for short. This system screens visitors against the National Sex Offenders List and allows staff to manage custody and restraining orders. The system allows schools to manage visitors on campus and generates easily identifiable name badges indicating that the visitor has permission to be there. Since its implementation, school staff has successfully prevented SAM system identified individuals from accessing school campuses. We continue our safety efforts to add fencing and panic bar hardware at several school sites to provide better security. Next, we will look at the key initiatives essential to effective emergency response. The first is the establishment of lockdown protocols to ensure consistent response from law enforcement. School staff has been trained over the past several years to learn common language related to lockdown procedures. Procedures are updated as best practices are shared by law enforcement experts. 
In addition, each school has established a safety committee responsible for the development and annual update of their safe school plan as required by state law. In the area of staff and student education, all ninth grade students taking the health elective receive basic CPR training, equipping them with skills needed for basic emergency response. In addition, our nursing staff has provided district staff with CPR, EpiPen, and AED training eight times a year. Finally, staff participated in a district-wide training on bullying prevention and how to respond when incidences are reported. In the area of parent education, a variety of topics have been presented to the district's parent university. Classes are offered in the areas of parenting, safety, academic support, and college and career guidance. They are offered throughout the year at no cost to our families. All secondary schools have been provided a confidential text tip line to report safety-related issues to administrative school staff. Students receive this resource annually, and their specific number has been printed on the back of each secondary ID card. Through a coordinated effort from our special education and educational services divisions, a comprehensive student study team has been established at each school site in an effort to coordinate resources for at-risk students. All secondary sites have established an intervention elective class called GEARA in an effort to provide direct students for, uh, to support to students in need. All schools have established a positive behavioral interventions and support program, otherwise known as PBIS, in an effort to create clearly defined behavioral expectations on every campus. School sites have seen the positive impact of a well-designed program as it relates to increased student engagement and a decrease in problematic behavior. Our schools have done an exceptional job implementing PBIS on their campuses. Well, earlier this year, five of our campuses were distinguished by the California PBIS Coalition for excellence in implementing PBIS on their campuses. Rose Drive Elementary School earned the Platinum Implementation Award. Fairmont and Maple Payne Elementary Schools have earned the Gold Award. And Melrose and Woodsboro Elementary Schools have earned the Silver Award, respectively. A district centralized alternative to suspension program was established and utilized for students in grades 6 through 12. Schools also added site-level interventions in lieu of issuing an at-home suspension. Finally, 24 full-time registered behavioral technicians were hired to support our elementary classrooms by providing direct support to our teachers in managing behavioral issues. Our teachers have reported that this has been an invaluable resource in managing disruptive behaviors and maintaining an effective learning environment. The combined impact of these interventions has helped reduce the overall suspension rate across the district, as well as the number of suspension days. In the area of mental and emotional wellness, the district has made significant investment to ensure our students and families have access to the support they need. We have provided school counselors at the secondary level for years and have a long-standing relationship with Outreach Concern to provide counseling support at our elementary school sites. While these supports are accessed by students during the day, there are occasions where families are in need of support outside of the school day. Care Solace is a referral resource used by our families to help access effective, confidential counseling support in a variety of issues, for a variety of issues. Over the past two and a quarter years, 842 families have been able to connect with mental health support using this very resource. Recognizing the increased mental health needs of our students across three grade spans, 
the district has significantly increased support through the hiring of elementary counselors and wellness specialists. You will note our significant investment in this area at the elementary level as we recognize the need to focus on early intervention. By providing direct intervention at the younger grade levels, our hope is to prevent issues from increasing in severity as students get older. In the area of physical health and wellness, our health services team in partnership with educational services has developed return to learn concussion protocols for students returning to the classroom following a concussion. These protocols allow for flexibility and accommodations while the student makes progress towards full recovery. In an effort to deter students from bringing illegal substances to school, the district partnered with InterQuest Canines to provide periodic visits, visits of drug detection dogs at all high school sites. Finally, in the area of emergency response, we have added EpiPens and automated external defibrillators, otherwise known as ADDs, at all school sites in the event there is a medical emergency involving anaphylactic reactions or sudden cardiac arrest. Volunteer, volunteer staff have been trained by our nurses in the use of this life-saving equipment. Next, we will provide a brief overview of safety-related initi initiatives currently being implemented in the 22-23 school year. Both middle and high school staffs are in the process of being trained in the area of suicide prevention. In addition, 7th, 9th, and 12th grade students are receiving a similar age-appropriate presentation on the very same topic. Staff at all grade levels are currently receiving training from local law enforcement on updated procedures relative to run, hide, fight protocols. Both trainings began in September and will continue through March of next year. In an effort to increase campus security in the event of a lockdown, we are developing a plan to install a safety device referred to as a barricade. This device is recommended by law enforcement and will allow staff to secure interior pod doors during a lockdown. This added safety feature will provide school staff with options on how to secure interior building doors. As Dr. Matthews mentioned earlier tonight under his superintendent's report, in light of increased opioid use across the country, our district health services team is working to provide naloxone, more commonly known as Narcan, to all school sites. This life-saving device may be used to reverse the effects of an opioid overdose that would be and would be available to train staff for emergency response. Our nurses have submitted our application to the Naloxone Distribution Project through the California Department of Health and Human Services Agency, and we anticipate receiving the Naloxone in four to six weeks. In the meantime, we are determining the training requirements and identifying volunteers to be trained on all school campuses. We have also initiated a relaunch of our Crisis Go Communication app, which allows staff members to better communicate during an emergency situation. As the year progresses, staff will increase their utilization of the app as they learn more about its features and receive additional training. The emergency communication app allows for two-way communication between staff during an event, attendance accounting of students, alert notifications for fire, earthquakes, lockdown scenarios, and medical assistance where needed. Recognizing the need that increased health needs of our students, we have significantly increased the health clerk time on each of our campuses. This will help schools manage the increased demand on our health offices. And finally, we are in the process of establishing a permanently staged emergency operations center here at the district office. This will allow for a more efficient response in providing direct support to our school campuses in the event of a district-wide emergency such as an earthquake or fire. 
Once completed, we plan to conduct a district-wide drill this spring to test the communication system in real time. I would like to conclude by thanking our board for your continued commitment to safety and wellness of our students and school community. While we are certainly proud of the efforts we have made in the area of safety, we are never satisfied. We will always continue to seek feedback from you as well as our school community on how we can continue to improve in this area. We look ahead to gathering this feedback for our LCAP stakeholder meetings later in the winter and look forward to hearing from, more from you as we set our initiatives moving forward. have assured me of that. It's similar to the EpiPen. Same yes. thing. Yes. No, no harmful effect if it's not read correctly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, just with Halloween coming, um, <laughs> we really, you know, I've kind of, like, told um, my own kids who are older, you know, I just, uh, with the fake wrappings that some of the fentanyls coming in, I just said, please be, be very, very aware where your, your kids are getting their candy from. You know, make sure it's store-bought. Um, like, I've been told my kids just don't accept any candy at school right now just because you don't know. You know, we trust friends. We trust all this stuff. But you just you just never know in this day and age. So, um, but, yeah, thank you so much. This is, like, excellent work, and I'm so proud. Thank you for the comment. And I, I, I would be remiss without you. Well, I have the pleasure of reporting on this and telling all the great things that we're doing. It really is these amazing leaders. Taking lead on so many of these initiatives from our from our just get to brag about it, but um, I really really want to commend our folks who have, have really been the, the, the backbone of this initiative, all these initiatives. I have like a question and kind of a comment. Um, I'm really interested in our permanent emergency operations center and what services or what what will we be able to do and ensure that this isn't a ball or anything. So I will definitely be looking for an update on how this is going to be utilized in the future. I don't think I'll touch on it now. I can certainly provide the board with a more comprehensive update, but the Reader's Digest version of it is that it, it provides a centralized location to manage an emergency district-wide event. Many in our audience are very familiar with the fires um, that we, we experienced uh, a couple of different times. Um, and we haven't necessarily experienced the earthquake, but um, those are two potential um, issues that might come up. And, and when you have an event that impacts multiple school campuses simultaneously, um, there has to be an organization and a coordination, coordination of, of our response and how we support those schools. Um, all of our schools are equipped with power fail phones. 
in the event that there's a power outage, they'll still have the ability to communicate with the, uh, the emergency operations center. It is a centralized location that can field those phone calls via radio, um, via telephone line, via power fail phone, um, so that we can route the correct materials, supplies, personnel um, to respond in the case of a district-wide event. And so it's important to have, um, typically that EOC has been around for several years. It's normally staged right here in this boardroom, but um, there is no guarantee that this boardroom will be accessible in the event of a, of a major event. So our goal was to stage that EOC in a completely um, isolated location that um, we can permanently stage it, set it up, and be able to respond in an instant if there is some sort of district-wide event. That's not quite a Reader Digest version, but that's the best I can do. Mr. McElhinden, um, one of the things I, I wanted to bring up, first of all, um, like everyone up here has, has said, uh, great job on, on spearheading this and having the uh, the staff that uh, is helping you along with the the whole preparation of this. This is this is amazing. Now, question for you, though, I uh, remember that Esperanza has a particular uh, cargo carrier that happens to have uh, or hold all of the community emergency response team equipment. Is that correct? Not necessarily specific to the, well, basically the city of Anaheim has set up three locations throughout Anaheim, one on the west end of Anaheim, one in the centralized end, and one on the furthest east end of the campus or of their city. Um, that location on the east end is at Esperanza High School. And we have some emergency um, supplies that are on that campus really intended for that immediate community. Um, and there are um, certain train of, uh, trained uh, community members that have gone through the formal training uh, to be cert certified um, that live in that proximity of the school. So in the event of uh, a district-wide issue or even something specific to that particular part of Anaheim, those trained cert folks know to go to that location at Esperanza to take those supplies and further disseminate them out to the local community in that area. No, that's, that's, that's correct. And um, I, I know that uh, one of the things in which, uh, um, in, in the case of emergency, they like to see uh, areas that are wide open, and usually schools are one of the prime areas that are looked for. And uh, would it be possible, you think, that all of our, say, our high schools, since they seem to be spread out the most, the best geographically, uh, could connect with maybe the CERT programs of Yorba Linda and Placentia? Uh, or Fullerton, and um, maybe have a, a setup like that as well, and um, maybe offer uh, staff or teachers that are, are uh, wanting to get into a program like that uh, the ability to become a certified CERT member. Certainly, uh, that, that opportunity certainly presents itself. I know all of our cities, we've gotten to know the city managers and the, those that have, uh, are in charge of emergency response, and I think they would be very receptive to that very idea. So we can, we can certainly pursue that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yes. Um, I'm always interested in um, the constant review, the regular review and monitoring of things that have to do with Pago Dam, um, because we through the US have certainly seen, all of us have seen reports of, of the risk that could be involved there. Uh, and the evacuation time would be 
we can move buses up with that bus. So um, it's just one of my things that I've always just kind of thrown back out. Like, I hope we're all refreshing that. I know we're very diligent. It's the kind of thing we hope never will happen. But that's just one of the things I was going to kind of ring um, I did have a question about, um, <clears throat> uh, we had talked about the added fencing and so forth. Um, I periodically hear, and I think you've even had some comments here in the boardroom, some concerns about um, open gates that might be available when students are entering and leaving campus. Um, have we done anything that we feel we can assure our parents and so forth that there's adequate security that during those points in time, part of it sometimes is just parents coming onto campuses um, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, what have you. Um, I don't know if you had any comments to make at this, but that's uh, at this time, but otherwise I am just always interested in knowing the real Achilles feels. Sure, absolutely. And I, I always I always have a comment. <laughs> What I will say to you is, is schools are, are really built and intended to be places for the community to gather. Um, I think our, our community um, in, in across our district celebrates the opportunity for families to come together and certainly that there is a gathering that happens every single day when kids are being dropped off and being picked up, happens twice a day. Um, so we want to celebrate that, right? But there's also a, a balance in making sure that our campuses are secured um, when the business of the school day starts. And so also realizing that our, our campuses um, are different configurations built at different times over the history of our district and have uh, different setups, different entry points, different um, configurations and how they're built. Um, and so each one is uniquely um, needs to be uniquely evaluated with regards to how kids come on and off of the campus. Um, so what we have done is given our principals the authority and the ability to develop their own uh, plans for when those gates are locked at the start of the instructional day and, and when they're unlocked at the end of it um, to help facilitate students moving off that campus. We have given our principals that latitude. Certainly, there's always a focus on, on safety on a campus, and our principals have that at the forefront of, of what they're looking at and what they're focused on. Um, but they have to do it in a thoughtful way where we, we celebrate our parents coming and dropping kids off, doing it in a way that, that, that um, maximizes safety and the amount of time that parents are actually on, adults are on campus themselves. But I will tell you in general, across all of our campuses, once that school day starts, the expectation is the campuses are secured. They are closed campuses, and everybody visiting that campus throughout the business of the day has to come through the front office to be screened through our SAM system. So that is a common expectation across our campus, but, but which gates are opened and, and what time they're opened is, is a site-to-site -site level decision that we trust our principals with, and that's, that's a long-standing uh, practice in our district. I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. Okay, um, yeah, I was going to say thank you so much for speaking on the mental health and wellness um, work that we've done in the district. And I did want to just speak from a student's perspective and say implementing the counselors and wellness specialists has definitely made a difference. 
um, especially in my own school. I go to El Dorado High School, in case you don't know. And um, we have a newer wellness specialist, Mr. Um, Cesar Valdez. And just something that he does um, every week is send home a Wellness Wednesday email that goes up to all of our students. And I know that a number of people do read them and we do publicize the information he shares on our school's Instagram. And so just speaking for um, a lot of students and families, I think we do really appreciate um, implementing people who are gonna help us promote wellness in that area. And then just, I did have a quick question about the Crisis Goat app. Is that something that's currently in active use or did you say that it's something that will be implemented soon? It was actually um, just relaunched at the start of this year. So it's, it's one of those things that actually our uh, principals received uh, communication and some training modules to look at uh, two weeks ago. Um, and the staff communication for the downloading of the app, instructions on how to utilize it, um, the practice of the use of the app, um, that communication actually goes out uh, tomorrow to all staff. So it's, it's in the early stages of that, of that moving forward um, with full implementation, but um, that is happening now uh, as we currently speak. Thank you so much. Thank you for your input. She touched on something I should have asked, and that is some of our um, schools are developing wellness centers or kind of a space the students can go to. Um, is this something that we are, by that I'm talking about a medical center, I'm talking about a part of the campus where I know Camila does it, I believe in the building in High has an area that kind of is a dual purpose area right there in conjunction with the library. I, I think it's one of those things, it's not a district mandated, no. uh, but it is district supported. If there's a school site, I think our counselors historically across our district always look for those opportunities to, you know, um, work directly with students, whether it's individual one-on-one -on -one or whether it's in small group settings. Um, and so um, they may have identified locations on their campus that give kids a place to go if they're feeling like they need some additional support or that sort of thing. So I think it's more of an organic development that happens on our campuses uh, with intentionality um, of trying to create that space for students who are feeling like they just need a place to go um, to get that support um, they've identified on some of our campuses. But it's a it's a district supported initiative, not necessarily something that we're requiring all campuses to do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> One more thing. Um, it's this must have been a couple of meetings ago uh, where we had the um, the police chief from Los Angeles and the 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 uh, officer from the OC shows. Um, they talk about uh, school mapping. Did we give the, the updated school maps to those uh, agencies? We did um, laminated maps. Uh, we give them electronic versions. Um, we're in the process of. We've asked all of our site principals and have since received all of them back um, to make sure that they they take one good look at the map, make sure that it's current. We're in the process of um, expanding those maps into, um, I, I don't know the exact measurements, but they're, they're larger maps that are laminated that uh, police would have two sets of every map for every school in our district. So that way, if they're responding in, in force to a campus for an emergency event, they have the complete layout of the map. They're very detailed. So it does show um, all the gas lines, all the, all the things that police would want to look for when they're responding to a school site, um, all the entry points uh, configured by the streets around it, that sort of thing. Um, so yes, we have provided those in addition to um, keys 
uh, to our school campuses so they have access to buildings um, for routine and for emergency response. Sometimes we get alarms that go off. Uh, we want to make sure our police have access to the campus to be able to investigate any potential uh, security issue. Um, so they do have keys available um, at their disposal. That includes uh, knock spots? Absolutely. Um, so fire has a knock box, and then also we're in the process of installing uh, a separate knock box for uh, police department as well. Uh, fire, for some reason, doesn't share that with PD. So we elected to add uh, uh, police knock boxes that they have access to so that either uh, first responder would have ability to access a campus. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mr. McElland. And as you look through, it starts at 2013 and everything that we've done, it just builds and builds and builds. Um, and the safety courses are number one, our, our number one thing that we have to focus on. And then after that, we can do everything that we want to. So I really appreciate it and all of the detail. Um, and I hope everybody else enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Okay. Moving on, we are going to take a five-minute break since we have a lot of um, policies to go through and then our consent calendar. So we'll take a five-minute and I'll come back at what's the number two now? So nine ten. We'll go a little bit more. Please be back. I'm 
right? And it's on? Yeah. Oh. I'm like, I don't know how to stop it. <laughs> Thank you everyone for the break. Now that takes us to our general functions and we have nine that will be going through today. So let's start with number one. I need a motion and a second. I'll make a motion to adopt resolution number 22-11, conflict of interest code and revise exhibit A, list of designated positions, or by bylaw 9250.1, conflict of interest code. I'll second. All right, we got a motion and a second. Uh, Dr. Matthews. This, uh, good evening, everybody. This is our political reform act that requires every agency to review its conflict of interest code in order to notify the code reviewing body if the current code is accurate or if it needs to be amended. But as our conflict of interest code was last reviewed in November of 2021, the revised code presented to you has been updated to reflect our current and recent position changes. And uh, thank you for consideration of this item. Okay, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 5-0. And next. Thank you. The next item before you is Board Bylaw 9323, Agenda and Meeting Materials. Um, this is something, this is the third time the Board has seen this policy. It's uh, So this is these are policies that we regularly review to make sure we're compliant with the state and everything else. So revision. Um, here reflects current law, uh, recommended language from Gamut, as well as comments made at both the August 9th and September 13th by you, the board. So if the second reading is approved, we will adopt board bylaw 9323 and post it to our website. Okay. I'll go ahead and make a motion that we adopt revised board bylaw 9323 entitled Agenda Meeting Materials, and it is our second reading. Is it possible to make public comment? No, it is not. Oh, wait a second. Um, you have a question? I have a comment. Okay. I thought we were, I got confused. So we're on number two. On oh, number two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, 9323, page three. I would like to, on the third paragraph, 
remove the words are during. So it says that agenda shall provide members of the public the opportunity to address the board on the agenda item before, and then I just would like to get rid of that or during okay. the board consideration. Well, if, okay, so let me ask you this. So well, I should somebody, be able to comment some, now because somebody works. just asked in the audience if they could comment on that, and I think that if this is what our our um, bylaws are saying, then I do think that as things come up, because sometimes the public doesn't know as much, so if you want to go, uh, other districts do this where if something comes up that they can comment on the item if they haven't been able to previously comment before. I am not in, um, I, I'm in favor of keeping it because I think that could be, um, could be a good thing. Our current policy allows people to turn in a card before the public comment mm -hmm. section, and they may choose at that time whether to comment during the public comment section or before the item. Um, and so those are the two, uh, that's how it exists right now. So request, even now today, a request now would not be considered, but the person could have made that choice at the beginning of that time. And I believe it hasn't happened since I've been here, but I believe it's happened here before. Right, but this says, so on this one, it says the agenda shall provide members of the public the opportunity to address the board on any agenda item before or during the board's consideration of the item. And so I think that that could be a very good way to do it. And you didn't use all 30 uh, minutes me, of public meeting. comment. We, um, I would like to, to strike out ordering because once we start the consideration of the item, the public comment should have already been spoken. So even if it's before the actual item or, or during our public comment time, it really needs to be before we start considering that item. Well, I kind of disagree only because uh, the public doesn't know consent items that we're going to be pulling. Uh, and they should probably have the the right to speak it on those consent items as well. So during should stay in there. But, if, but they do have the opportunity to talk and and at those items at the beginning. So they can put that on there that they want to talk about that specific item, whether we pull it up from consent. So item, when we have uh, when we have consent items, and you know we've been able to research it. Um, Sometimes the public doesn't get the same opportunity, especially if we pull it and we come up with, you know, information that they might not have. So uh, giving them the, the ability to comment on those, I think, would be uh, uh, pretty critical. Thanks, Mrs. Green. that I've seen it done occasion where once we had public comment, whether the person came forward either at the podium and the public comment, where they can discuss anything within our purview, including items on the agenda, nor have I seen anyone come up if they spoke right before, as you said, they considered the item, but to be already engaged in the process of our discussion as a board, which is our part of the business meeting now, for more public comment to come forward when I've never seen that done. I've seen that happen in a workshop where you have an item where it can get some more choose of a back and forth during a workshop with the public. Uh, I've seen that occur then, but I agree the purpose of public comments is to give the board information they may that for them to consider when they engage in conversation and then vote upon the issue. And we tried to make clear recently that um, people may comment on consent items uh, at the public comment section of the meeting. I think people a very educated parent body. I think people know that and do comment on a consent item properly. I'm 
Other, I've seen other districts, you know, do it in this manner, and I've always thought, you know, it's a good, it, it can be a good thing. And, uh, What's my screen? They have, anyone has the opportunity to send in an email, make a call. In any you don't respond. You don't respond. All right, so any more discussion on that? So why don't we? Did we come to a consensus? We're, that's what we need to do. So we, yeah, we pretty much need to vote on this one. So do we want to, um, let's see, why don't we, we have a motion and second. We have motion a motion to support. Okay, motion, but we haven't gone through the rest of it. So we're doing, oh, that's word, so word. Okay. Are there any other comments on any of it? Just that one? Okay, so. Um, with the motion and the second we have now, we will um, take a vote to pass it with the two words or um, or during stricken. So that is without. Uh, President Bump, real quick, uh, I did notice one other thing. Okay. Yeah, this was, uh, let's see, this is actually on the second page, uh, second paragraph down, uh, after uh, the superintendent at his discretion might want to uh, has his, her, his or her discretion. You see why that? Oh, yes, I do see that. Yes, okay. good catch. Great catch. <laughs> just, just in case. Thank you. Could be there. What's that? Their okay. discretion. Sure. Either one. Okay, great. Right. Okay, so that one we all agree on. So what we'll do is we'll um, take a vote to scratch the ordering. If that doesn't pass, then we can re-vote on it without or leaving it in. State that one more time. We're going to, we have a, a first and a second, mm -hmm. and we have it on the table that we are striking ordering. Yes. Okay, so um, all those in favor of striking ordering and passing. Aye. 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 And those opposed? No. no. Okay, so this passes three two. Okay, so that takes us next to number three, independent study. A motion? A motion and a second, please. Okay, I will make a motion. 
motion that uh, we adopt revised board policy 6141.5 entitled independent study as a second reading. A second. All right, um, Dr. Adamson. Well, thank you. Good evening, President Beck, Trustees, Superintendent Matthews, and Executive Cabinet. As we informed you at last at last month's board meeting, on June 30th, 2022, Governor Newsom approved Assembly Bill 181 that, among other things, amended provisions of the Education Code related to independent study. To present a second reading regarding our proposed changes to the Independent Study Board Policy 61415, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Director of High School, Gina Edelard. Good evening, President Buck, Trustees, Dr. Matthews, and Executive Cabinet. The TK through 12th grade education omnibus budget trailer bill, AB 181, was released on June 20th, 2022, as a follow-up to AB 130, released in July of 2021. Both bills provide updates to the independent study policy. The latest updates to the independent study policy include changes in language related to required signatures for students to participate in independent study programs. Adjustments were also made to requirements for live interaction, synchronous instruction, and tiered re-engagement. Finally, changes to the bill impact the consideration for participation in independent study for students with special needs. If an eligible student requests independent study, an IEP team must convene and make an individualized determination regarding whether the eligible student can receive a free, appropriate public education, FAPE, through independent study. This new language in the board policy was vetted through both our district auditing firm and legal services at the Orange County Department of Education. It is our pleasure to bring forward these changes in the board policy to you for a second reading, and we thank you in advance for your consideration of these policy changes. Anyone have questions, comments? I had one question. Um, since so we're looking at uh, no fewer than three days, no more than 14, as we're looking at the short term, does that cover some cases where people are traveling and they do independent study, they collect the work ahead of time, they take it with them, and then they are able to turn that in and get credit for it? It does. That would be considered short-term independent study. Thank you. All right, that was my only question. Okay, okay so with that... Let's take a vote. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And opposed? Motion carries 5-0. Now we need a motion and a second for public comment. Thank you, Mrs. Aguilar. I'll make a motion to revise board policy 9322.2, public comment, first reading. Second. If I may say, this is a, several new policies here. I think one of our goals over the next quite a few meetings is to bring the policies to us that have not been updated in a while and to share those with the board. And uh, so I think that this one's probably a more challenging one, but many will be very easy changes that just uh, update the language. So um, public comment will probably be a carryover from our last conversation we just had, but this is our um, 9322.2 public comment policy. This reflects current law and recommended language from Gamut, although this is not a Gamut required policy. Uh, this is something we do on our own. And this also includes suggestions made by board members at previous meetings. Uh, the proposed language clarifies several parameters for addressing the board, including prioritizing items that are uh, prioritizing comments that are for items on the agenda. It clarifies the minutes per speaker. Um, it clarifies campaign language, and it includes our civility policy. And there's just general cleanup language in there as well. If the first reading is approved this evening, 
We will bring the bylaw back with your suggestions for a second reading and perhaps approval in November. So my first thought was, um, I think if we have 31 to 60 speakers, I think we should just go 31 plus as a minute each, because I kind of feel it's unfair to give somebody 30 seconds. Can't pay more than 30 seconds. I would agree with you there. I mean, I talk fast and I couldn't say it. I agree, that was one of my notes as well. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna bump that up to 31 plus speakers get one minute. I will just cite an example where we had 100 plus speakers. So keep it in mind. That's exceptional, I believe. Hopefully, we won't get to that. And you'll notice also that we no longer would, to accompany that, we, we would no longer say a maximum for the minute because we, you know, when we have several speakers, we, we we don't do that, but I think we're over, so this now will be consistent with what we do. So on number four, then it will start with each speaker, so that the first part of a maximum of 30 minutes shall be set aside for public comment. Um, the maximum is struck out, but I think we should get rid of the 30 minutes set aside for public comment at each board meeting during which time. I think we should just start each speaker shall be allotted a maximum of three minutes to address the board regarding Right. I, I, I think that can work if we keep that language on the, the uh, speaker link. That would be, that would be yeah, for the following. Okay. Uh, could you repeat that? I was saying to you that you think it will work by still keeping the 30? No, I think what... Uh, or or dispensing it. Dispensing. Okay. Just uh, because it's it's set now. Mm -hmm. it's just by multiplication. Multiplication. Not even algebra. And there's the line in there also that we can email the board prior. Um, and we haven't had that language in there before. So that's, I'm glad to see that in there. Also, um, number two, um, since we're, we are having indefinite public speakers, um, that new section that's added, that's underlined, while comments on non-agenda items are allowed, comments related to the agenda item will have priority if time does not permit all comments to be made. I don't think that's relevant anymore. Yeah, just to push back a little, I mean, uh, I, 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 I get that. Um, but if there were 100 comments on agendized items and 50 comments on non-agendized items, but I, I know that that would happen very, I can't imagine, I mean, I hope I'm not here when that happens, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 Was that too much? I but I mean, it would give the board the opportunity to get to the business of the meeting. They have that choice. I know it's always hard for the person presiding over the meeting to say no to those comments, but the purpose is to help you, give you information about the items you're deciding on that night. That's the purpose. So I, I respect what you're saying, certainly, and I'll honor the board's will on that. So just to kind of piggyback on that, even if we have 100 comments and they all go for one minute, would we really take the 50 and cut off the next 50, or will we just see all 100? Like, Mrs. Freeman said, it, it, would, it would be more related to what we're talking about. So if it was actually an item and we wanted to, to make sure and hear everybody specific to an item that's on the agenda, we would hear them. But if it's not on the agenda, then we could table that and have them come back. And, and we would time. decide what gets tabled and not. It'd be on the card. If they said it's on the agenda. So you would item. just sit here and just start picking and choosing? Yeah, I mean, if it says it's an agenda item, then you, no matter what, it gets in. Is that a constitution violation because this is a public meeting and people have right to be heard? 
Yeah, I can check that out. But I mean, I, I will, yeah. I mean, that's a legitimate question. I, I believe so because again, it's a maximum. Mm -hmm. being, we don't have to hear. The idea is to give the public an opportunity to um, uh, contribute. You've already made gone beyond what most districts are doing by saying we'll go above 30 minutes. And your point of it again is to make sure you have the information you need before you decide on agendized items. So you don't need the union reps talking about Excuse me, this is our meeting. Agenda. We can't have you comment. Thank you. It's true, though. It's true, though. It's true. It should be both sides. Okay, so maybe this is a first reading, correct? So we could maybe get a little clarification on that sure. to make sure it's not yep. violating any. Good question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other comments? Yes. And the comment is really that the way this is laid out, I think, gives um, a clearer picture to attendees of what they can anticipate because doing quick math um, based on just the number of cards received is, is I think just as a better roadmap that I think will facilitate and streamline even if it does build in more time I think it does build that um, as I said a roadmap of how we're going to conduct that portion of our meeting. Thank you. And I have to say to give our speakers credit it's been very civil, I think, overall. Our comments have been, like I say, I'm very grateful for the comments. I think people have abided by the rules and uh, people have different opinions. That's okay. I have no, that, that's what those, that's for. But um, I'm appreciative of our, our speakers. Should have been here last year. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sean. No, I, I, I have watched a few. I <laughs> question regarding number eight. So there was um, recently some laws changed regarding um, uh, conduct in board meetings and removing people that are willful um, disturbance. Um, there's there's legal language now that um, I would, I'd like you to just compare it and make sure that we're following those rules. Because there's nothing underlined here and since that's changed, just to double check it. Got it. Thank you. Okay. okay. Thank you for your input. I'll bring it back to you next meeting. Thank you. Okay, so we'll take a vote on where we are. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And opposed? Motion carries 5-0. And if you want to bring 5 through 8 are all very similar in my mind. If you want to bring those four together, we can talk about those all together for a first reading and just um, see that think we can see you do that. Right? So we'll make a motion a second on the first one, and then you can talk to all of them, and then we'll go okay. through. Okay. Perfect. Motion second, please. Well, yeah, you could move five through eight. I mm -hmm. could do that. Okay, so we'll move five through eight. I need a motion and a second. I'll second. Okay, so these items, just to be just to be clear, are all items we currently all policies we currently have. That's the uh, the roles of the president of the board, the vice president of the board, the clerk of the board, and the I believe this is the um, Secretary of the Board is the last one. And so um, what we did with these, um, and we've actually had some public comments, particularly on the President one, that were actually quite justified. Our, our former policy was very simple and did not contain a lot of things that um, are, are, are very customary for what the President of the Board does. So I, I think these policies more clearly outline uh, what, the, what, what the role of the President is, um, the, the, what the role of the Vice President is, um, what the role of the secretary of the board, which is uh, me and, and, and the clerk of the board. And so um, 
again, like uh, uh, board member Freeman was saying earlier, I think they nicely lay out what the expectations are, but I look forward to your comments about any or all of them. We can bring those back to you for a second. I like the president of the board a lot better having one tiny little paragraph and having now lots of different bullet points to be talked about is very specific, so I appreciate that. Um, I have on page 26, mm -hmm. um, number one, it says signing all instruments. I think it should be documented. Yeah, that's like a real English word. Yeah. The instruments sounds like a legal word, so yeah. Okay. And then also, um, one of our protocols is um, that the president of the board responds to all emails sent to you know, that sent to all the board members. So I think we should add that on the second page as well. Just we could add that as number five. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Any others on that one? Yes. On the president? Yes. I have brought this up when I met with our superintendent, um, and I'm just going to revisit it really quickly. On page 25, item 5, um, uh, it talks to uh, keeping in compliance with the applicable, applicable requirements of the Brown Act, and I have questioned whether or not it should say head code. I don't know which is the larger umbrella. The larger umbrella is head code. I mean, Brown Act is codified in the California Ed Code, um, but there are, I mean, you wouldn't be harmed with either one. Okay. So we put and or? I have said maybe and, but because I think we, of course, do reference the Brown Act quite a bit. So I think people are becoming more familiar with that for the most part, those who tune in or are in attendance. But the Ed Code is, is a little more changing. Sure, so. we can, let's do an and. Okay. Any others on the president? Do you want to vote on this one and then move on? Or, or we voted on all of them. So let's move on unless there are no more comments. Go to vote. I had a real quick question on number eight of the okay. president of the board rule on issues of parliamentary procedure. Um, my thought on that, and I was going to bring this up as a possible future agenda, uh, agenda item is uh, that we look at possibly having a, an actual position for parliamentarian. Because I, I know that there are so many of these bylaws, board bylaws, board policies, and ed code policies that I think we need somebody that's a little more versed in this area. Um, I don't know if it would be a staff position. I'm just throwing it out there as something we need to consider. Uh, just so we don't get ourselves in a situation that we have in the past. Okay, let me, I've not seen that before, but uh, I, 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 let me look at that and see. I, I think typically um, uh, we consult, if there are major parliamentary issues, which you guys have had questions about that before, and yeah, we'll we can get, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can get legal involved and, and all that, and I, I'm, I'm your person for even with that, you know, kind of, Communicating with you and with legal, but I can let me get you a more formal answer to that, Sean, until I can get that to you. Okay. We can always put that on the same the secretary of the board's to do list. We could. We could. Yeah. That's, uh, other duties are assigned. It's okay. Yeah, thank you. Kindergarten scares me. That's okay. 
Okay, so any more on that one? Okay, let's move on to the Vice President. It's short and sweet. Any comments, changes? And the only reason we scratched up that one line is we don't have Board Policy 9324.2. Um, so to refer to, we thought it'd be a good thing to take that line out. <laughs> I, I have a, a, a partner who did catch that. I'm not going to mention that Newton's name, but uh, she's very good. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why I did not mention her name. <laughs> I, I think for parliamentarian, they have to be able to rule on it, so it has to be one of us, but we can have somebody that can advise us. I thought an extra stipend she might go for. <laughs> she just might. This is her worst meeting ever. <laughs> okay, so nothing else on Vice President? Moving on to Secretary. Any notes, changes, comments? This went from longer to shorter, so that's been much more clear. The only, the only thing I noticed was um, number two had been... Um, President has been stricken to attend all board meetings, and I just think we should add that at the end of the list. The, sec the secretary should the be secretary. The superintendent should be at all board meetings? I think so. <laughs> well, but it, it, it was listed, and I just think it, it didn't carry over. So it's the expectation. Well, we would always have, we have four assistant superintendents, so I don't see us in jeopardy there. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I can. Mm -hmm. We have a deep bench here. We have a deep bench, high qualified bench, exactly. I'm okay with leaving it out. I don't think it, I don't think it, I don't think it changes much. Okay, so we'll leave it as is, and I will still be at the next meeting. Good, yeah. okay. Good to know. All of them. Okay, anything else on Secretary? All right, moving to Clerk. Any questions, comments, changes? That one again from a small paragraph to nice bullet points. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, okay. so with that, we are going to vote number four through eight all in a block. Five through eight, sorry. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And motion and opposed? Motion carries five through. And five through eight. Okay, now moving on to number nine. Thank you. The final um, policy on the agenda tonight for your consideration is board bylaw 9100, which is annual organization meeting. You notice that we are changing. Um, number of the board item because it fits better with the current um, gamut structure there. Um, this is routine in nature. It is just uh, looking at all the updates and policies and bylaws that have happened, reflecting current law and recommending language from gamut. Um, and just what happens here is it takes the expectations for after every, in every December, we do have a new organizational meeting. Um, and so it just makes sure those are very clear as we go forward. And you can see once again, if the intent is to simplify it. Um, just so members of the public know, we were trying a new um, way of showing this where we were 
highlighting the um, new language, but when we printed the booklet, the highlighting did not come through. So uh, maybe this is not working for it. I think you can all tell what that is, but uh, where the, the bolded part. But uh, it was a super cool idea, um, but it, it, it was not it's not perfected yet. So we may try it again and see how we do with that. Can anybody have any comments, changes? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Oh, we need. She says we need a motion and a second. <laughs> no joke. I'll make a motion to revise board bylaw 9321.1 annual organization meeting and change the bylaw number to 9100. First reading. Second. Awesome. Mrs. Serena, got it. Okay. Any questions, comments? Additions changes. Yes. Okay. On page 36, um, bullet point number four, it says that we're going to approve this, um, the meeting schedule, but then it also talks about the board governance calendar, stating the time when the board will address important governance matters. So currently, we do not have a governance calendar. Um, in all my training, it says we should have one, but I think um, this is something that if we're going to put this in, then we need to have a governance calendar. If we do not want to have a governance calendar, then we strike it. So if I could interject, our calendar actually has the governance pieces embedded in them. So when um, we give our list of dates, we'll, like, for the example, in December, it'll say organizational meeting. Um, in June, it'll say superintendent's annual review those those are actually already embedded in lcap re review draft study public hearings lcap those are the the absolute ones that we have to have on there that's why they're embedded together yeah i think i just i'm just a new graduate so you know <laughs> let's just let this go but i the governance calendar is supposed to be detailed it's supposed to help us plan and you know, like, when are we doing our audits? When are we doing our first income? When are we approving the budget? All those things. When are we looking at test scores? And that's kind of what I would like to see is like a full detailed governance calendar so that the public knows, hey, every October they discuss um, test results. Or, you know, I really love budgets. No one says that, Dave. <laughs> I say it, Dave. I say it. If I, if I may, I think you are both correct. I think our current uh, schedule does have the basics, but I think we also could do more. And so I think what you're asking is to give a more extensive calendar as we propose this year's um, list of dates this year. We can, that, that doesn't hurt us at all. In fact, we can only make transparency better. So no problem. I like the addition to that. You've suggested. Anyone else? Mm -hmm. Okay. Any other comments? I think there's one more. Second, I have to go to my second page. Do you know what it is? Sure. Uh, you, you, you called me about this earlier, but the third paragraph was, uh, that struck out, we wanted to include in the policy. Oh, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's on this page. See, I do listen to So, you. page 35, they, they struck out the part that has the, um, I guess, the authority of the power um, of how it, it goes down. And, you know, I don't, like, obviously this next meeting, 
um, at the election. It's not going to be a problem because, you know, we're not all up. But this was an issue when Mr. Youngblood, Mrs. Blades, and I were elected um, because there was no president, vice president, or clerk at the time. And Mrs. Freeman conducted the meeting because she was the, um, she, well, she had the most, she had the most seniority. And that's what this talks about. So that's why she conducted the meeting. And so I just think it's really, you know, this may never come back up again. Who knows? But I just think it's really important to include that. So there's no questions. Who steps in? Yeah, who steps in? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Works for everybody. That's fine. It, again, it's More transparent. Yeah. It gives guidance when you are in those right. exceptional moments. Anyone else? Okay, so I'm going to call a vote. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And opposed? Motion carries 5 right. Thank you for considering all those. We'll bring it back to you next time. Okay, so now we are at consent calendar, and these are actions that are, um, it's a blocked vote, and they're consistent with the improved practices of our district and routine, deemed routine in nature. Um, trustees receive board agenda backup information in advance of scheduled meetings, and we're prepared to vote with knowledge of the block vote items. And what I did um, see in all of our notes before, but it's not ever been listed here, is that um, directly states that the superintendent recommends approval of of consent calendar because you've already gone through this. So it doesn't say that, but I just wanted to highlight the fact that you're aware of these and you approve them. Anybody? Um, so we should, unless we have any to pull, what do you have to pull? Four and 18. And I like to pull 22 and 24. Four, 18, 22, and 24. Anyone else? Four, 18, 22, 24. Okay, so for the rest of them, I'll take a motion and a second. I'll move the consent calendar. I'll second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 5-0. And we'll go back to number four. All right, so on number four, it's the VDO <coughs> tickets. Motion and a second. Oh, sorry. I'd like to make a motion to approve number four BEO ticketing systems. I'll second. Okay. All right, go ahead. Okay. So um, we have this BBO ticketing system, and I know it costs us $30,000 um, to have this. And one of the things that I was talking about was we're charging our own, like users, an extra dollar a ticket. Um, and then our visitors or outside, um, uh, outside vendors or outside uh, users. Two dollars for the tickets, and so I don't want to be crass. They're saying I'm not really upset about the two dollars from the outside users, but I know our own fans. Like we have people who are football games and basketball games, and someone's providing ten tickets, so it's an additional ten dollars for um, for people to use. And so I was just hoping that maybe we could um, take away the fees for um, for our district, and so we just pay the flat fee. Like here we go up cash, pay five bucks. Um, I was hoping we could do that, and then. Um, I don't know what we want to do about the $2 for the outside user groups, if that's a way that we can somehow make money. But I just think that in these times, um, every dollar is counting. And so I'd like to see us have a break um, with our people. And I'm sure Mr. Giordano is extremely happy with me right now. 
He's thinking, where's the $30,000? Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, I do think we should be thinking about this because, you know, like I, I will give an example. A couple weeks ago, one of my kids and one of their friends went to one of my other son's uh, football games. And so because they don't go to that school, you know, I hand them 10 bucks, you know, okay, go, go on in. And they came back. No, we, we can't, um, you know, you have to do this app and all this stuff. So I went on there and so instead of $10, 12 bucks. And then when I was people in the stands, I would complain about the same thing. You know, I go buy 10 tickets and I just charge an extra 10 bucks. So I paid, instead of 100, I paid 110. And so I don't know if that's something feasible that we could do for our, um, you know, for our community. So, Mr. Giordano, we talked about this. I mean, I think the purpose of that is just what you said, to be revenue neutral, so that we pay the $30,000 that we, we make um, much of that back. Um, but board discretion on this, if the board would like us like to not charge the $1 for inside events, what it means is the district may be paying for that, uh, for that service and not getting all the money back, that's a service we could provide. Is that right, Mr. Chairman? That's correct. The external groups, so the, the external groups really are charged the, the $2 fee, and then we have the, the internal groups of the $1 fee. Most of the most of the fees that do come in are from the external groups. There's very little that the internal groups actually, if any, have, have incurred. Uh, they typically don't use the uh, the ticketing system, and so most of it is through external groups. Are they able to use cash? To no, you can't. Cash. Cash. I I've always had to use. I have to use it to go my kids play in the band. We need to go back to cash. I think it depends on the group that that's booking and how they're they're making those arrangements. But through the ticketing system itself, I believe you have to use a credit card or debit card that that type of a payment method. Okay, I just want to be clear. This system is only being used at the Performing Arts Center, like stuff that's happening. No, 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 no. no. I, I don't watch the band. Please, this minutes. is our meeting. We need to be able to hear each other. So I'm thinking other schools have implemented their own ticketing system. Is that true? It, yeah, this is just to, this is just used at a Performing Arts Center. We've talked about expanding it at some point, but. We're just testing it. We, we used it last year. This is our second we're using it. And so the thought would be, we, you know, if we wanted to roll this out to the auditorium, we could. But at this point, it's just a pack. So so the football games and basketball games and all the stuff that we can't pay cash for, what system are they using? Because I'm getting paid. I mean, I paid a dollar extra a ticket. And so what what are this? If this isn't used district-wide, are schools using their own system for ticketing? Yeah, that's a good question. You can follow up and get that information for you, but I don't have that readily available. That's a good question. So, do we? Sorry, do you have something? No, I was just going to ask. So, perhaps do we? Um, is there a critical time on rendering this as to getting it done this evening? Think we could bring this bring this back at, at the next meeting it would more than likely be a ratification because mm -hmm. we're using the system mm -hmm. but we could do that if, if okay um because it would be helpful to have just a little bit more information on the fiscal impact i mean you said overall it's really predominantly the outside groups but yes. nonetheless maybe a little bit more information sure Absolutely. Do we need permission to hold the vote or to table it? Or? 
think there's two ways to do it. One is to vote it down and bring it back for next time. And the other is for everybody the motion to put it, we withdraw the motion and we can do it. I'll make a motion to withdraw my motion. Second. Okay, so it's withdrawn. Withdrawn. Second. Okay, so that next takes us to 18. Okay, so for 18, I did ask. ask this. Um, I need a motion to second. Thank you. I'm really trying to like her uniform. I'm sorry. I'll make a motion to okay. approve the professional development service agreement with, with Edge Elastics for grades 6 to 12. I'll second. Okay. So my question on this was um, this is quite quite a lot less expensive than iReady and it says that it's for done with assessments and the the big picture of it it talks about Eduelastic is a platform for formative assessments for students, teachers, and school districts and allows teachers to create assessments from a variety of high quality items, etc. So my question is if we're using iReady for six hundred and eighty thousand, whatever it is, and it's kind of what is the this is only twenty three hundred dollars and so what is our difference here and is this like why are we putting in supplemental ones or are we just using iReady is there like different assessments I guess my question is is like since iReady is so unpopular um, is this uh, something that we could go to or can you just explain the difference to me of course absolutely it's a great question so you'll recall last month we brought Edulastic through for the actual licensing agreements for the program itself so. I forget the exact amount that it was, but it's significantly more. This is purely just for the training that's required for our teachers. And that's okay. why it's such a small amount. Okay. And so the edu so if we're using both, why are we using two assess why are we using two assessments? If we're if iReady is like being implemented and then or is this because this is six through twelve and this is more the assessment for high school and iReady is used more for lower grades? That's it. Oh my gosh, I answered my own question. I think the, the biggest distinction is all of our this is you know all of our high school teachers would utilize this for sure. They don't, you know, I read these only up through eighth grade, uh, but it's also available for our middle school teachers, and it's not just for math and reading, they can use it for any other subject that they teach. And it really allows, you know, it provides a, a bank of you know an item bank of uh, pre-built assessments, but also teachers can go in and create their own assessments as well. Uh, and you know, it's a it's a platform that allows the students to you know, actually take the assessment online. Grades are for them, um, and so there's definitely a distinct difference between the two programs. And just for future, does Edulastic have a elementary um, assessment type thing, or is it only six to twelve? No, it's K it's K twelve. Okay. I think the only you know the biggest difference with it is it's not really you know considered a reading program or math program. It actually you know provides the lessons that go along with the already has. Okay, thank you. Any other comment? Okay, we'll take a vote. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And opposed? Motion carries five zero. Number twenty-two. I'll make a motion to approve the school sponsor field trip as listed in accordance with board policy number sixty-one fifty-three. School sponsor choice. Second. And your comment. Okay. So I had a really hard time getting through this section during the study um, for a lot of reasons. Um, 
some of these field trips are very costly. And it just brought and saved <laughs> the costs. You know, there's some field trips that are over $3,000 per student and some over $2,000 per student that we're approving tonight. And so I kind of just want us to go back and review these policies so that we are making sure that all schools are able to go on field trips. Um, since the beginning of the school year, um, Yorba Linda High School has six uh, extended field trips with five days of school missing. Esperanza, um, six extended field trips with eight days of school missing. El Dorado, four with five days of school missing. And interesting enough, Valencia has put in zero extended field trips. And that's just this year. So I think we have like an equity issue. I think um, as a parent, if I would have gotten that bill, I probably would have taken a look. And I just, if we're offering, you know, educational opportunities, we want to make sure that everybody can go. So I want to make sure, you know, kind of to review basically, um, you know, who's covering these costs because there's no cost listed in these books. It just says no cost to the district. Is there limits to these? What happens to the kids who can't afford? Um, are there limits on big trips, like annual versus every four years? And also, you know, the balancing act between educational purpose and time missing school. Um, I just think that this was a, just a great reminder that we need to go back and look at these things and address these issues um, to be you know, more equitable for our students and make sure that everyone's getting opportunities and, um, you know, one, one extended field trip, basically, you know, there was nothing all day except for one game. And I want to make sure that our, if we're going to take our kids out of school, that they're, it's an educational experience. It's not a vacation experience. Uh, we're in the education business. So I, I'm going to approve these tonight, but this is something that I really think that we need to look at um, and as a board kind of work on some policies and some some guidance for our site principals so that when they come up that they can say, look, they only do this trip every four years. You know, we've done these things and this is what we've done so that every student, you know, can come and attend. And if I could add, we're required to provide a free education, and these things are outside of education, but it still does matter when you're looking at the ability for some students to go and some not, especially when you're looking at one high school versus other other high schools and, and trying to balance that. Um, it, it really is a challenge, and it doesn't impact our district bottom line in this way, um, but it does impact families' bottom line, and it also impacts other families and students that aren't unable to attend. So I, I appreciate what you're bringing up. I, I appreciate it also. Um, and so I think when we did our, um, the LCAP, we were talking about having some type of fundraising or having some type of deal that raises money for people who can't afford it. Remember we talked about that? Because as I'm looking at this as a former athlete, like to go to some of these things, dance national, I mean, this covers everything. This is our arts. 
this is basketball, this is water polo, this is um, our, our, you know, the castle middle school conference, this is cross country, this is uh, cheer, this is um, a theater tour, so I'm assuming this is like from our, you know, the uh, Gerblin High School, their, their theater group. I think this covers everything, but not only do we educate, but these are also the things that help with growth. And this is things that these kids have been working for. And these are like the goals. And a lot of these kids, these are the reasons that they get the good grades and that they work hard at school is because they are working hard, you know, for their team or for a, another goal. And so I think if we're going to start talking about these things, we need to, as a district, we need to start looking at ways that we can um, fundraise or we can, you know, talk about having start facilitate this so they can, people can go to it because we, I mean, I mean, these are these are great experiences, and um, and, and I, I would like to make it accessible too. But I also don't want to limit um, these kids who are working so hard, like world class elite da dance nationals. Um, you know, this is California State Cross Country Championships. I would hate to take something away from these kids who have been working their tails off, literally. Um, you know, to make this. So that that's just my two cents. But. Um. Real quick, uh, and uh, I'm glad Trustee Anderson brought this up, but uh, was is there a specific way in which uh, schools will request these types of uh, field trips? And and if, if so, I mean, I don't really see Valencia, Valencia High, High School in here. Is there, why, why is that? I mean, what's the... It's likely has to do with funding. It's just funding. A lot of the time, yes. I can't say that for sure, um, but... These trips are fundraised by the students. So they're either selling items or raising money from friends and family. If they don't have accessibility to, to do that or to have friends and family that can purchase things like that, then they don't go. So if the district were to have a district fundraising event, would some of that money or a portion of that, that would have to all be to... like the detail would have to all be worked out. And we have a foundation also. Yeah, we do have the REACH Foundation who we could, and, and part of their their goals are arts, education, and, and athletics. So it would fit right along with there. So what you're saying is we all need to be running when it's 5K. Yes, everybody needs to get out there and run in the 5K. John? Great. Yeah, <laughs> Some of these sports events though are invitations. They, they, they qualify at a certain point to be eligible to participate. And so, I, you know, this is this is one set of field trips. Um, we'd have to review to see if other teams, say from Valencia, uh, you know, also are sending someone. It, it may vary, there may be reasons that a school chooses not to participate other than finances. But I think it's a very broad topic with obviously interest to learn more about it. And of course, be certain that we're not discouraging uh, participation and, and we're not limiting those experiences that really do make the overall high school or maybe it's in a different grade level those experiences uh, memorable and perhaps life-changing um, because they participated but um, but the cost issue is always a big one i know there have been times in the past i think some groups would even take the, the washington dc trip and so forth, but that's kind of gone away. But it's, it's probably a good time to start looking at it again. 
And I do agree that it should be some sort of related to education and what we're doing, not just a, a random trip. It makes sense. Um, you know, I have been talking know, for the last year plus about, you know, our ESSER funds and how we should use those to really help our students to have these wonderful experiences that no ESSER dollars are being spent on these subjects. I, I had a feeling you would bring that up. Uh, absolutely. And so it just seemed what I first want to say is that I think your conversations up there are mirroring the same conversations we're having here at the cabinet level. In fact, we have a presentation that we're presenting to our principals this coming Thursday to really just you know speak to just the you know the submission of you know memos in general, but you know field trips will you know obviously have a feature in that. I think we're all we're looking at it through the lens of equity and you know making sure equal opportunities are available to all our students. Uh, when it comes to funding, I think you're absolutely, we know that we can't, uh, we, we, for students who can't afford, you know, to, uh, to pay the fees that are associated with it, we you know, need to be able to provide and, and make a way for that to happen so we can recover some of the, those costs if necessary. We also know that any time, you know, we put forward fees for a field trip, as an example, that they are financially, that they are considered donations. Um, you know, when I think of Valencia right now, it makes me think of just a conversation that you know, we were having with the principal, you know, just even a week and a half ago, our director of high school, you know, was sort of, you know, navigating that a little with him as they, they've got a lot of, you know, funds in that. They're absolutely looking at that right now and, you know, wanting to see what opportunities they can make available to their students. I think it just so happens on this particular, you know, agenda that, that they're not there. But, you know, I think back to last year, that was a big piece. I went back to many of our Title I schools for the first time. You know, they were at the elementary level having that first opportunity for overnight, uh, you know, field trips. And so we definitely have an advantage this year. We continue to have those funds available. So, you know, I can absolutely, you know, concern that, you know, all of our principals are looking at that to make those uh, uh, opportunities available. But in the meantime, yes, this is definitely something that we see as we, I think we all have a shared uh, priority, you know, on this topic. And it will be something we continue to explore and uh, ensure that, you know, we have that, that, that equity piece right for all of our students. Thank you so much. Okay, great. All right, so we'll take a vote. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And opposed? Motion carries 5-0. Number 24. Okay, I'll make a motion to adopt resolution number 22-05, designating October 24th through 28th 2022 as Red Ribbon Week in the Placentia Yorba Linda Unified School District. Second. I like to highlight this one. When I first started in PTA, that first job I had was Red Ribbon Week. Okay, so my comments um, are kind of, I guess, more timely. Um, I, I really appreciate the um, information that was sent out about um, fentanyl this week and I've been reading so many stories about this one today over at Troy um, last week I read this article um, that said Marin County you have a higher chance of death if you're under the age of 60 to die from fentanyl than you do from COVID and this is a huge epidemic and I don't see this resolution um, those current issues. So what I would like to suggest 
is that we take out or that we add a couple whereases from the um, memo that Mr. McElinden sent out, um, like whereas opioid-related overdose deaths in California youth ages 10 through 19 years increased from 2018, 54 total, to 2020, 274 total, making a 407% increase over two years, largely driven by fentanyl. And then another one, whereas fentanyl-related overdose deaths in California um, ages 10 to 19 years increased from 2018, 36 total, to 2020, 261 total, a 625% increase. And I did search and do try to find more current data on fentanyl and the overdoses because it's just, it's a daily thing. And um, it's happening daily, almost in our community. And I just think we should just add those whereases in there. Taken directly from Mr. McElinden's thing. Which one do you want to take Is everybody okay with that? I think it's, I think it's perfect yep. to make it relevant to the time frame. Okay. And then um, the other thing that I would like to add is in it um, where it says, be it further resolved, there's nothing in here about education. So where it says students, parents, and staff, I'd like to add to educate themselves on current drug trends. And then continue participate in efforts to to prevent drug and alcohol abuse and to join citizens statewide in the pledge. Respect yourself, be drug free. Okay, educating is good. I think right now, especially with the changes, education is. Yeah. I'd like to change that. And of course, I have one more. <laughs> and this is just. You're not going to say anything. Um, and this is just a personal pet peeve of mine. Um, in the one, two, three, fourth, um, whereas it says the future of our democracy depends upon um, having an educational um, citizenry. I think we should change it to republic because we are a republic. It's different than democracy. And I think words have meanings and we should make sure that we are using the right Aren't we a democratic republic? Yes. yes. Yeah, so we're different. Because we pledge allegiance, you know, to the republic of which we stand. So, and a republic is different than a democracy. Yep. Yep. You can have um, a democracy where you have you vote in people to represent a representative democracy, but a republic is different because it protects the rights of the minority. Those inalienable rights. If a, in a, a pure democracy, without those inalienable rights, it, whatever the majority says rules, and the minority rights are taken away. But in a republic, the minority is protected, and um, there's lots of laws that have been overturned and things like that because they weren't protecting the minority. Um, well, we happen to have a historian right next to us. I don't know if I'm a historian or not, but I do have opinions about this. I know. We had a great debate about this in his office. Yeah, I, I, there's no argument that we're a republic. I won't argue with that. But what, I mean, to say we're not a democracy is also incorrect. You can have many kinds of republics. You can have an oligarchical republic where the 
rich and you know the rich and wealthy are the ones who choose your representatives. You could have all kinds of republics that are not who we are. November, you know, the election day is coming up. It's a big democratic day, and so again, I have zero issue with the republic. I, I make that same pledge. I get it, but to say we're not a democracy, I think, is highly inaccurate. And so, um, I'll go with whatever the board decides. But we—I'm very proud of our democracy here. Proud of it. In a democracy, I believe it. Um, it says so much of who we are, and our republic could not survive. I think if we weren't a democracy. I just felt like our founding fathers did a hybrid, and we should respect that. And um, you know, they didn't want a democracy. They they came up with a republic, and that's what we are. So it's up to the board what they want to do. That's just one of my pet peeves. So I will weigh in with democracy. I like democratic republic. How about constitutional republic? Constitutional. That's really what we are. Yeah. I think you're getting into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, having, having just recently been in Europe, they look at us as a democracy, not as a republic. But see, I think that's what's wrong because we use the word democracy, and republic is different. Again, it protects the minority, and it, it protects our inalienable rights. And that's what sets us aside. And that's, our kids think we're a democracy. And it's, it's just, it's, it's just a little different. But um, that's why I think that words matter and we should use appropriate words that describe what we are. Democratic Republic is highly accurate. I'll go with Democratic Republic. So Democratic Republic. I'm seeing three. Are we going to pass <laughs> the resolution? I think that I was fine with Republic. We had three for Republic. I'm, I think we're losing our way on the meaning at this moment of this, what we're going for yeah. in this. I, mean, you can I don't want to bog down. I'm beginning to wonder what we may even have in our, our books about you know using the word democracy. I mean, if we start going that direction, I I I, I don't know. I try to be glad to have with me this.